You're listening to Grace Saves All, the podcast which exists at the spiritual intersection of Christianity and universal salvation. In this podcast, we will be exploring an ancient and modern approach to Christianity, which affirms both that grace saves alone and that grace goes to all. And now, here is David Artman, author of Grace Saves All, The Necessity of Christian Universalism. Welcome again as we continue in our journey together where we are recovering an early Christian vision of a God of perfect love who is saving all of us by grace. If God is saving all of us by grace, this means looking at God's judgments as part of God's love for us. And that means that God's judgments, while having to be potentially very severe, must ultimately be purifying and restorative in nature. In part one, We looked at Old Testament passages which give us this impression, and now in part two, we turn to the New Testament, and we begin with a saying from Jesus recorded in Matthew chapter 5, verses 25 to 26. Here Jesus teaches, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Notice that Jesus doesn't eliminate the consequences which follow for failing to get things resolved and ending up before a judge. This scene of appearing before a judge makes us think of having to appear before God because we left this life with matters unresolved. But what stands out to me is that the penalty is not life in prison or the death penalty. The consequence, according to Jesus, is staying in prison until the last penny is paid. This sounds to me like that passage we looked at last time from Lamentations, where God is said to not cast off anyone forever. It's not that God doesn't cast off at all. It's that God only casts off as long as is required. God only casts off, as Jesus puts it, until the last penny is paid, which sounds very serious, but also sounds as if an end is in view. It's not forever banishment. Another teaching from Jesus has a similar ring to it. It's found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, often called the parable of the unforgiving servant. In this parable, we are introduced to a compassionate king who forgives an enormous debt owed to him by one of his servants. The servant then turns around and demands a small debt owed to him by someone else. And when they can't pay him, he has them thrown into prison until the debt is paid. News of this gets back to the king, who is naturally upset that the servant, who had just been forgiven a huge debt, was unforgiving over a small debt owed to him. So the king calls the servant back in front of him, saying, You wicked servant! I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And then Jesus concludes the teaching by saying that the king, in his anger, handed the unforgiving servant over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus added, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you 
unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I'd call that a pretty bracing teaching from Jesus. It certainly gets my attention if I'm contemplating holding a grudge and being unforgiving towards someone else. It also makes me think that while God is forgiving, God can still be pretty demanding and be pretty upset with us. So this parable doesn't lead me to want to try and take advantage of God's forgiveness. But the reason I bring this to our attention is the similarity that this has with the earlier saying from Jesus. In both instances, the guilty party has to pay a consequence in which they are put in prison until satisfactory payment is made. In the first teaching, Jesus warns about an unpleasant consequence which the unrepentant must endure until the last penny is paid. And in this teaching we just saw, Jesus again warns about an unpleasant consequence that the unrepentant must endure until all that is owed is paid back. So, it seems we can either repent and turn from evil, or we can embrace evil, and God will put us in a situation where we will stay until we truly see the error of our ways, and we will want to repent, and we will wish we had never embraced the evil path in the first place. And now we turn to two fascinating passages found in 1 Peter. Both of these passages are highly debated, but I see in them evidence that God's grace and mercy extends, if necessary, past the point of death. And these passages help me to believe that if we are not right with God at death, that God can still find ways to work with us after death to free us and bring us home. All right, here's the first of the two passages which describes the spiritual mission Jesus undertook immediately after he died on the cross. And this is 1 Peter 3, 18-20, which reads, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And then just a little later, in 1 Peter 4.6, it reads, for this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. Here in these two passages we have evidence that the early Christian community believed that Jesus descended to the dead after his crucifixion and before his resurrection, and it appears that during this time he went to imprisoned spirits. As I said earlier, there is certainly debate as to exactly who these imprisoned spirits are. But a case can be made that these are the spirits of the evil people whose lives were taken in judgment by God in the flood during Noah's time. And when Christ goes and makes proclamation to these imprisoned spirits, I don't believe it's unreasonable to imagine that Christ would be descending to them in order to pronounce good news of his victory over the powers of sin and death. And so in my opinion, what we have here in these two passages is an ancient picture of Christ playing a role similar to Moses. Just as Moses led the Hebrew children out of their bondage and slavery in Egypt, 
Jesus goes to these imprisoned spirits to liberate them from their captivity to sin and death. These two passages of Scripture, as I said earlier, are highly debated, and they probably won't sway anybody's final opinion. But I see in them a kind of resonance and harmony with the idea that although God in judgment may have to cast some off in a spiritual prison of some kind, and even though that imprisonment might be quite lengthy, I see that there is a point at which this imprisonment and judgment ends, the lesson having been truly learned, and then the soul is able to be restored to God. Now let's take all of these passages that we've looked at in this episode and in the last episode and make them personal for each of us. Even if you go far astray and bring God's judgments upon you after this life, God will not cast you off forever. God may bring grief on you in order to correct you, but God will still show you compassion. So great is God's unfailing love for you. If it comes to it, God may be forced to put you in a very unpleasant situation where you will encounter the pain you have caused so that you can understand it, and in that place you may be required to pay the last penny for what you've done because nobody finally gets away with anything. But God does not want to do this to you and derives no pleasure from correcting you. You may think that you have sunk so low in this life that when you die, God will not remember you anymore. But Jesus didn't forget the disobedient spirits who lost their earthly lives in the flood, and Jesus won't forget you either. When the time is right, he will come to you with good news of deliverance. And when that time comes, you will be rid of your delusions and ready to see him for who he is and ready to receive the salvation he has come to offer you. You can trust that the justice of God towards you fits within the loving purposes of God for you and for everyone. God doesn't want to bring affliction or grief to any of us, and that includes you. You may think you have sunk so low that there's no hope for you. You may even come to believe that there is nothing in you worth restoring. But you are still God's child. And if God can restore Sodom's fortunes, God can restore yours, because you are worth restoring. God's ultimate plans are not to keep you banished forever, because God doesn't make those kinds of plans for you or for anyone. Sometimes people are concerned that Christian universalism reduces the justice of God. I think it actually increases the justice of God because nobody is able to finally escape truly coming to terms with the unrepentant evil they have committed in this lifetime. None of our rebellions against a God of perfect love can ever win because God has secured from the beginning the final restoration and purification of all. When we keep all of these things in mind, we can see that the justice of God is part of the grace of God because God's judgments ultimately serve God's loving and restorative purposes for all. I hope this helps you to forgive those who have hurt you, knowing that they won't just get away with it. If they leave this life without dealing with the pain they have caused you, God will deal with them accordingly. And if you have hurt others, I hope this helps you to repent now, knowing that the path you are on will just keep getting harder for you in this life and after this life, and God may be forced to put you in a place 
where you will experience the consequences of what you've done until you really repent and really seek forgiveness. And I hope that all of you will join me in following the forgiving way of life Jesus teaches and believing in a grace that saves all. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Grace Saves All. You can help spread the word by sharing this podcast with others and by giving it a rating on iTunes. If you want to find out more about David or if you'd like to leave him a message, go to his website, davidartman.net. In the meantime, let's work together to help a hurting world know about the greatest news ever announced.